It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, September 25th, 2020. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. Yakutat announced a new case of the coronavirus Thursday. The individual who tested positive took a test on Monday, according to a Yakutat public safety press release. It's the second case that the community of around 600 people has reported in the last week. The two cases had no known contact with one another, and public health officials believe the new case is tied to community spread. Yakutat's incident commander John Waldron wrote in an email to KCAW that he doesn't believe the person traveled recently. He asked residents to remain diligent to stop the spread of COVID-19. Yakutat has reported eight total cases of the coronavirus since late July. Before this week, the community reported no active cases for nearly two months. At last count, the state of Alaska reported over 8,000 cases statewide, around 65 percent of which are considered active. Over 140 new cases were reported on Thursday. Republican Kenny Carl Scaffelstad is running against Democratic incumbent Jonathan Christ Tompkins for House District 35 in the November general election. The district includes Sitka, Petersburg, Cake, Angoon, and many small island communities of the central panhandle, from Prince of Wales Island up to Elfin Cove. KFSK's Angela Denning spoke with the Republican hopeful to find out what his priorities would be in the legislature. Kenny Carl Scaffelstad was born and raised in Huna. He ran for the House District two years ago, but he lost to Sitka surgeon Richard Wien in the 2018 Republican primary. This year, Scaffelstad won the primary and will be facing the eight-year incumbent Jonathan Christ Tompkins. Scaffoldstad says he knows Southeast voters. Knowing Southeast the way I do, the popular sentiment of of many people I know are, are not reflected in workings in uh, in, in a legislature. I think uh, there are too many voices unheard that I'd be very good at representing. Scaffoldstad works in civil construction as a heavy equipment operator. In the past, he has served as the mayor and a city councilor in Huna, as well as public works director. He's also commercial fished as a power troller and still crews on other boats in the off-season. Scaffoldstad calls himself a moderate, not a hardline Republican, although he says he appeals to conservative voters. He says he's okay with his religion leaking into his public life. I hold high conservative values and I'm not an overly religious man, but I I follow a Christian faith, and I think that some of those those beliefs leak into my public life and have served uh, myself well and the people that I've served in the past. And I think some of those values that have been reflected in in certain political standards will uh, continue to serve as well. Winning the Republican primary race wasn't a landslide for Scaffoldstad. He brought in 594 votes, while his contender, Arthur Martin, earned 521 votes. Still, Scaffoldstad says he has a good understanding of what's important to his constituents from traveling around Southeast over the years, and he'll work hard to represent them. He says they want responsible budgeting, they want their PFD, and they want the PFD to be protected in the future. Well, many of the voices are saying, we see action, but we don't really see Southeast voice in anything. Scaffoldstad says Southeast needs to develop its economy through natural resource development. He supports timber, the mining industry, and tourism. But he says they all suffer from an overreach of government regulations. The regulatory 
methodology is faulty and it inhibits the potential for resource development. Regulatory oversight are needed to some extent, but some of those that have come out of our state legislature are not conducive to the uniqueness of Southeast Alaska. Scaffoldstad says the legislature has dug the state into a deep hole with the budget. Lawmakers have used part of the permanent fund and the state's savings account in recent years because oil revenues are down. He says the state needs more revenue, but he doesn't want to get it through raising taxes, at least not only from raising taxes. He says resource development and shutting down the government could also help. We've got to have some new money at some point. I am not a fan of governmental taxation. What I'm seeing coming out of the legislature is that they've dug that hole so deep as to have taxation as uh, it's posed to us uh, as an inevitability, almost. I'm not sure that it is. Um, I'm on the fence about taxation altogether, but I, I am not on the fence about having to just shut down, close government while we contemplate uh, our problems. Scaffoldstad says it's going to take a series of solutions to fix the state's budget situation and that it will take new people at the table. He believes he should be one of those new voices to help get it done. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. This is the second of a two-part series on the House District 35 race. Yesterday, we heard from the incumbent, Jonathan Christ Tompkins. You can find that story on our website, kcaw.org. There will also be a public forum on the race on October 14th. The COVID-19 pandemic has cost the Alaska Marine Highway System tens of millions in revenue from lost ridership. That's according to Rob Carpenter, the Department of Transportation's Deputy Commissioner, speaking Thursday at Southeast Conference. We've had roughly a $45 million revenue, uh, unrealized revenue impact since this all began. And that was, you know, right away we had to tie ships up. The unfortunate part was we were just getting ships back online from all the mechanical we had. He is referring to the breakdown of several vessels last winter, including the Matanuska Ferry at the beginning of the year. It was the sole mainliner the state had running. Regional service resumed in March, but then came COVID-19. Villages and communities locked down. They didn't want us to come. We we couldn't come. We had to get our mitigation plans figured out. Um, Anyway, we're running now and everything's going great, but we're still, ridership is significantly down. So that that has led into... Our winter schedule, uh, which is, uh, I I think, at a level um, no one is happy with, including us. A nine-person marine highway work group created by Governor Dunleavy is expected to release its recommendation for the fleet's future next week. The task force has already ruled out privatization or any scenario where the state gives away the fleet. Carpenter says DOT awaits its report. We have a commitment to the marine highway system. We are by no means looking to get rid of it. We, We... we realize that it's extension of the highway system in this in this state, and we fully support it. And we're looking forward to something we can cling on to that uh, we can we can move forward and build off of. His remarks came during the annual meeting of Southeast Conference, a regional civic and business forum held virtually this year. The U.S. Department of Agriculture announced on Thursday that it is forging ahead with a proposal to make the Tongass National Forest fully exempt from a Clinton-era rule designed to limit road development on federal lands. It's known as the Roadless Rule, and successive Alaska governors and the state's congressional delegation have pushed to make it not apply in the Tongass. 
Proponents say exempting the Tongass would allow for more mining, communications, and renewable energy projects on federal land. It could also open up more areas for logging, though advocates and opponents seem to agree that the impact on the timber industry would likely be minimal. But many Alaska natives worry that rolling back the rule would damage areas tribal members use for hunting, fishing, and foraging. Nearly 200 people testified at 18 hearings this fall, specifically geared toward people who rely on the forest for their way of life. And large majorities supported keeping the rule in place, according to the U.S. Forest Service. Nine federally recognized tribal governments asked the USDA to restart the rulemaking process in July, saying federal officials have brushed aside Alaska Natives' concerns. An internal Forest Service report notes that 96 percent of public comments received on the issue this fall supported leaving the rule in place. Approximately 1 percent supported a full exemption. The final environmental impact statement is expected to be released Friday. That would start a 30-day review period before the USDA can issue a final decision on the roadless rule for the Tongass National Forest. The Glory Hall Homeless Shelter in downtown Juneau closed this week after two people experiencing homelessness tested positive for COVID-19. According to a release from the city and borough of Juneau, seven others are in quarantine. Glory Hall director Maria Lobachuk says they learned about the positive test results on Monday. So we immediately moved everybody out of our night shelter into hotel, and we closed the day facility. The city tested 75 patrons and staff at the Glory Hall last Friday. All of the results came back negative. Still, the city plans to do another round of testing this Friday. Depending on the results of those tests, Lobeshuk hopes the Glory Hall can reopen next week. She says this incident underscores the need for a larger homeless shelter with more space. The Glory Hall has plans to build a new shelter in the Mendenhall Valley and is hoping the city will help fund it. If we had a bigger building than our existing facility, people could meaningfully isolate from one another and they could actually ensure safety and compliance with um, social distancing standards, and we just simply cannot do it in our current facility. It's just simply too small. The city's emergency warming shelter at the Juneau Arts and Culture Center remains open for overnight sleeping. At Monday's Juneau Assembly meeting, city staff discussed the need to provide day services to the city's homeless population as the weather grows colder. Many of the public facilities where people would normally go during the day are closed or have capacity limits because of the pandemic. Taking a look at the community calendar... Cycling to Safety, a 4-H series for those age 8 to 12 able to ride on their own, continues at 1 p.m. today. Road and trail safety, bike maintenance, working with bike tools, and skills courses are covered. Classes are free to 4-H members, registration required, and limited to six youth. For more information, email emily at sitkawild.org. The Sitka Monthly Grind, scheduled for Friday, September 25th, is postponed to Saturday, March 20th at the Performing Arts Center. Check the Sitka Monthly Grind Facebook page for updates. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is morning.